Welcome to the Three P's of Cancer podcast, where we'll discuss prevention, preparedness, and progress in cancer treatments and research. Brought to you by the University of Michigan Rogel Cancer Center. I'm Scott Redding. We're here with Michigan Medicine Assistant Professor of Pathology, Aaron Udiger, to talk about pathology's role in cancer diagnosis. Welcome, Aaron. When someone gets diagnosed with cancer, usually it comes from an oncologist or surgeon, but really are pathologists the ones making the diagnosis? Well, you know, in a sense, yes, because it's a pathologist's job to generate the official reports of cancer diagnoses, which are then distributed to other clinicians and to patients. But really, like everything in modern medicine, cancer diagnoses are really a team effort. In fact, for a pathologist to make an accurate diagnosis, they often need additional information that is only provided by oncologists, surgeons, radiologists, et cetera. So it's really a team effort. So if this is like a team and most patients spend time either seeing their oncologist or their surgeon um, or the radiation oncologist, do they also get to spend time with a pathologist? Um, you know, not typically. Um, I think, you know, pathologists sort of traditionally have worked behind the scenes because of a lot of what we do doesn't require that face-to-face contact with patients. You know, I think sort of the, the old adage was that the pathologist was the doctor's doctor, and we were often sort of the sort of the person that we were most commonly interacting with directly was, you know, were other physicians or other, other doctors. And so I think kind of, you know, historically or traditionally, uh, patients haven't interacted directly with their pathologist, but certainly, you know, things change. And, and I think, you know, we've seen uh, more recently, that there are that there's sort of an increasing interest in patients uh, reaching out to communicate with their pathologist and uh, maybe understand more kind of what is going on uh, or what's you know sort of in the report that the pathologist would generate. So how do you put that report together? So kind of the whole, the whole process. I can I think that might kind of help kind of illuminate this a little bit. So mm-hmm. when um, a patient has a biopsy or they undergo a surgery and tissues is, you know, cancer tissue is taken out, that tissue is then sent to the pathology laboratory where we process it in order to produce glass slides, uh, which can then be examined in really fine detail using a microscope. Most of the time, all we need are the slides, a a microscope in our eyes, but sometimes we also need to perform um, additional special tests in the laboratory that can tell us more about a patient's cancer. So once we've looked at the slides and, and gotten the other additional tests that we need, we synthesize all that information. And again, thinking about you know, other information that's been provided to us by you know, other members of the, of the patient's uh, you know, sort of clinical care team. And then we um, sort of put that into reports that have a couple of like really standard fields. And the, and the most important field for most patients and for physicians is the diagnosis field. And so the diagnosis field is really the, the information that contains, or is the field that contains information about, you know, what the actual diagnosis is. So what type of cancer it is, those types of things. Oftentimes we also um, provide additional information in the reports, something called a, a cancer template. And that has more detailed information that may be used by a surgeon or an oncologist to decide what are the next um, sort of steps in, um, in treatment. And so when we sort of finish that report, then we 
finalize it and make a digital copy of it. And then that digital copy is, is sent out into the electronic medical record for the, the physician or the patient to, to view. If I have an issue where I'm starting to notice blood in my urine and I go see a urologist um, and there's potential suspect of it being bladder cancer, how do they go in and get the, the biopsy to get it to you? How, what does that process look like from um, me going in to see a doctor to uh, diagnosis? Sure, yeah, that's, that's a, I think that's a good question. So the urologist, uh, you know, sort of would evaluate you and decide that there's, you know, that they're worried that, that you may have bladder cancer. Um, and so then they take a, a special camera that can use to uh, go actually investigate your bladder and look for any tumors or anything else that might be suspicious for cancer. And that special camera also has, it has an instrument that allows them to take a biopsy of anything that they're worried about, like a tumor or some other area of bleeding or something like that. So then they take that biopsy and they send it to us, to the pathology laboratory. And we then process that biopsy tissue into glass slides, which we can then look at under um, a microscope. And when we look at it under the microscope, based on, you know, sort of our understanding of what kind of normal tissue looks like and what tumor tissue looks like, we can then tell the urologist and the patient whether that tumor or that area that was suspicious for tumor is benign, meaning not cancer, or whether um, it's bladder cancer. And then once we, we can also then tell them additional information about you know, is the bladder cancer, uh, is it invading into the, um, into the tissue of the bladder? Is it high grade or low grade? And these are all things that, that the urologist can then use to decide what the next step in clinical management for a patient is. Do pathologists focus on one subspecialty like oncologists, uh, surgeons and radiation oncologists? Yeah, so I think it really depends, you know, like, um, like all uh, doctors, there are a lot of different uh, practice models um, or ways that they practice. At bigger hospital systems like Michigan Medicine, pathologists usually focus on one or maybe two subspecialties. So, for example, I specialize in genital urinary pathology, but I also do head and neck pathology. On the other hand, at some smaller community hospitals, pathologists may not specialize in one particular area. And instead may do a little bit of everything, kind of like the general practitioner you may see at your local clinic. So really, you know, there's a lot of different sort of models out there. One of the topics that we are covering here on the Three Pieces of Cancer podcast is around advanced metastatic cancer. How do you determine from a pathology standpoint when someone has, um, gets a biopsy whether it's a early stage or advanced uh, cancer? Sure, yeah, so that's, that's a really interesting question because one of the things that I find really intriguing about cancer in general, and it's one of the reasons that I am, you know, became a pathologist in the first place is that really a lot of the, there are, very, there, there are often very few differences in the way that a tumor looks when it's an early stage tumor or when it's an advanced tumor. That's not always true. Um, sometimes there are, there are differences and you can, you can see those differences under a microscope. But for example, I do a lot of prostate cancer research and, and 
you know, I can tell you that if you just gave me, um, you know, sort of an image of what the tumor looked like under a microscope, I couldn't tell you necessarily whether it was from an early stage low grade cancer or um, a really advanced metastatic cancer. So, so I think, you know, we, this is where we often need to rely on additional information that's provided by other members of the clinical team. So, you know, including uh, radiology reports, um, you know, understanding where the biopsy was taken, um, you know, maybe treating information from the oncologist. So, you know, is this the patient that's, that's gotten some sort of, you know, treatment for their, for their cancer? But, you know, in the end, we, we, we can't always make that, you know, can't always tell those differences just by looking at uh, what the tumor looks like under the microscope. Now, I've heard as it relates to uh, at least prostate cancer, the ability to do RNA and DNA testing. How does that relate into a pathology report, if it does? Yeah, and so I think, you know, kind of thinking about the question that we just were talking about is, you know, how do you sort of, how do you distinguish between kind of early stage, um, low risk cancers and kind of later stage, um, you know, maybe metastatic tumors and more advanced disease. And, you know, some of these tumors, as I said, don't really look that different, but we know from lots of research that's ongoing, both here at the University of Michigan or at Michigan Medicine and elsewhere, um, that there are differences in the in the types of uh, DNA and RNA uh, changes that we see in those tumors. I would say, um, you know, we're kind of just at the beginning of uh, really the, you know, the, the, the personalized medicine revolution in pathology where we're routinely getting additional um, information about RNA and DNA changes out of a specific tumor so that we're able to incorporate that back into the pathology report. So right now our pathology reports are really focused mostly on, you know, what can we see under the microscope? Um, you know, what are some, you know, maybe some other, you know, uh, tests that we can do in the laboratory, but we're not routinely getting that information about RNA and DNA changes. I think in the future, definitely, that's very much definitely going to be a part of the, the routine pathology report. And I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, time. And I think it's going to be able to help um, us make better diagnoses as well as you know, treating clinicians make better, you know, better, more informed decisions about how uh, to treat a patient's tumor. We've talked about biopsy and you getting the, the information to go on the glass slide and look at it under the microscope. How quick of a turnaround is it normally for a diagnosis? And I'm, my dad had been diagnosed with um, stage four oral cancer a few years back. And they knew it pretty quickly uh, when they took the the biopsy. I want to say, I want to say within the that same visit time, they did it right when we got there, and we were there for an hour and a half or so. That they kind of had an idea, and I don't know if it was based off of the location of the tumor or whether it was the size of it or what. But how how quickly does it normally take for cancers to be diagnosed from the pathology side? So I, I think it really it really depends. Um, so for biopsies, we typically, you know, our goal for kind of you know turning around the report and you know so sort of 
you know, from the time that the biopsy is taken to um, signing out a final report that's available in the electronic medical record is three business days. Um, and I think we're pretty good at getting that. Um, again, sometimes when we need um, additional special tests, it may delay the report for um, a day or two. But um, you know, typically we get it done within two days, and we sort of shoot for for three days. Now, it sounds like from what what you were talking about um, with in your dad's case is that those um, those are really kind of a special thing that pathologists do, which is called a, a frozen section diagnosis, and that's. It's really a totally different workflow than um, kind of our typical workflow. And it has some advantages, but also has some disadvantages. The advantages are it can um, provide very rapid information. So in these cases, when we do these frozen sections, it, you know, it typically takes 20 minutes, you know, 20 to 25 minutes. The disadvantage of that is that we're often not able to um, sample all areas of a tumor and we're not able to see the tumor cells as well, always. And so I think it's useful in certain cases. Um, it's useful during uh, a surgery to help a surgeon guide their um, surgery so to try to understand you know, where the tumor is and, and to uh, make sure that they get all the tumor out of the, um, out of the patient during surgery. And then it's also useful uh, in, in sort of in your dad's case, these times when you know the patient you know presents with a with a, a tumor or a mass that's suspicious for a, a cancer, and they want to know right away in order to sort of you know begin to you know decide what treatment to do for for a patient. And so that's less common, I think, but that's probably what happened in your dad's case is that they sent some tissue from his clinic visit. Uh, we processed it in our frozen section laboratory, got a really quick turnaround time, like you know twenty. 30 minutes, um, and then uh, there was sort of uh, the diagnosis. Now, I would say that, that in those cases, that, that's just a preliminary diagnosis, and we still, you know, issue a final report that's often available two or three days later. We've talked about a, a few things that uh, seem kind of interesting in, I don't want to say high-tech, but RNA, DNA, even the um, frozen section um, topic. What kind of research is is happening um, around pathology and um, and and the future of of pathology and diagnosing cancer? So this is a really interesting area, and I think a lot of the focus uh, on research in pathology is on developing new laboratory tests that can help pathologists make better diagnoses, provide additional information to clinicians about a pa uh, the aggressiveness of a patient's cancer and or guide selection of cancer treatment. There's also sort of a whole field devote, in pathology devoted to, you know, just better understanding, you know, the types of DNA and RNA changes that are occurring in these tumors and, and why those might be related to um, the formation of cancers. My laboratory, for example, you know, really explores how the results of some of these new uh, laboratory tests may be similar or dissimilar across different areas of a patient's cancer, something that we talk about um, as cancer heterogeneity. So I think that's an, that's an area of, um, of research that is very interesting because I think it does have the potential to impact the type of information that we're able to provide to clinicians and, and patients. I think one other really important and interesting area of research right now is the kind of the emerging use of artificial intelligence and 
digital whole slide images to improve the accuracy of cancer diagnoses. So I think the way that this is envisioned right now is not necessarily sort of replacing the pathologist in the kind of the, the you know, looking for or making cancer diagnoses, but providing the pathologist with additional really powerful tools to help, uh, you know, make their diagnoses better. And so, um, you know, I think that's an area that, that, that could be really interesting over the next you know, five to 10 years. Aaron, I really appreciate the time. Uh, as we wrap up, if a patient wanted to review his, his or her pathology report, what would be the steps to do that? And, and what would be a final takeaway of, of our talk today for patients uh, or caregivers? I think, you know, it's a really good question. I think, you know, as I sort of mentioned before, I think, you know, we as pathologists are, are kind of used to working behind the scenes, but I know that our department um, in particular is very um, interested in providing opportunities for patients to, you know, communicate directly with their pathologist, maybe to answer questions about a report. And even if it's something that's, that's of interest to a patient, providing ways or finding ways um, to connect them with the pathologist so they can actually review, um, you know, what's on the glass slide and how that relates to what our um, report is. I, I don't think that we have any, have any really, you know, good, you know, solutions yet, but I think, you know, we're definitely, you know, working with it on a, on a case-by-case, on a patient-by-patient basis. And um, I think that if it's of interest to anybody, I think they should definitely, um, you know, just getting getting in touch with with you know the Department of Pathology and and talk, you know, just you know, kind of saying, hey, I'm I'm interested in talking to pathologists about this report. They're usually able to find us. Another option would be, you know, to communicate with your you know treating clinician, um, and then you know they could they could connect you to the to the pathologist. And then I you know I think really the the take home here that I'd like to um, you know, sort of, again, is, is, you know, pathologists, you know, we're, although we're sort of, a, you know, kind of a behind the, the scenes member of the team, you know, we are, you know, still this, you know, we are part of this, this larger team effort. And I think, you know, we're working to improve the type of information that we can provide to clinicians and to patients to help improve their cancer treatments. Great. Well, Aaron, again, I really appreciate the time today, and thank you. Yep. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening, and tell us what you think of this podcast by rating and reviewing us. If you have suggestions for additional topics, you can send them to cancercenter at med.umich.edu or message us on Twitter at umrogocancer. You can continue to explore the three P's of cancer by visiting rogocancercenter.org. 